Hello and welcome to Psychological Safety in Teams podcast series with me, your host, Sheila Wary, in which we hear insights and tips from leaders on how they and the teams they're a part of are creating a psychologically safe and high-performing environment. It is my aim to illuminate ways for you to increase your own levels of psychological safety in teams and how you can set up the conditions for others to do the same. I hope you enjoy the discussions. Hello and welcome. I have with me today Natalie Coyman, the Chief Risk Officer at AMP Capital, a large global investment manager headquartered in Sydney, Australia currently managing approximately 180 billion in assets under management across a diverse range of asset classes, including equities, fixed income, infrastructure, and real estate. Natalie is responsible for leading the Enterprise Risk Management Team, otherwise known as ERM, and supports the development and implementation of the ERM framework across AMP Capital globally. The team partners with the business to assist them in effectively identifying and managing risk to deliver a well-developed risk and control framework in response to regulatory and business stakeholder obligations. Before joining AMP Capital in 2012, Natalie spent over 20 years working with the financial services industry, both within Australia and the United Kingdom, and has worked for large institutions such as HSBC, Deloitte, Schroeder's and Perpetual Limited. Nat and I have had many conversations about leadership and I've watched her walk her talk with her team and I'm delighted to have her here today so that you too can hear her insights and wisdom in leading psychologically safe and high-performing teams. Nat, welcome to the podcast. Thank you Sheila, thank you for having me. In series one we really focused on what it takes to build a psychologically safe team. In series two of this podcast, I'm really keen to support listeners in considering how to ensure accountability in their teams and high performance while maintaining psychological safety. So to start the conversation, I'd really love to hear from you. How do you maintain emphasis on accountability for results on high performance while ensuring that you continue to cultivate psychological safety in your team? There's a lot of things that I do to sort of balance that. Firstly, I do try to set really clear expectations with my team. I set these expectations early and upfront and with everybody so that everybody has a clear sense of our purpose and what we need to get done. Whether it's a new piece of work, preparing a report or working on a new project or setting our goals, I like to provide the clarity on what is needed set the context for the for the activity or the piece of work or what we need to get done, uh, outline to the individual or to the team their role so that we all understand the direction or the outcome that's required um, and do this, as I said, as early as possible. I like to quote Brene Brown here, clear is kind. So setting clear expectations is really important. And then I empower my team to deliver. They know that during a piece of work or or during whatever activity that they're undertaking, I'm always available to consult or give them a steer um, so that they stay on track and that we remain on the same page. In fact, I really, really enjoy collaborating my, with my team. It's one of the, the things I really love doing. 
and I'm not very hierarchical. So I like to think that they feel that they can come to me no matter who they are. It doesn't necessarily need to be my direct reports that come and ask me things. But ultimately, I let them take accountability and deliver. I won't swoop in and take over and micromanage them. I remain supportive, but I expect them to get it done. Um, many people in my team will be familiar with something that I say a lot. It's, it's called landing the plane. You need to land the plane. They often do a really great job of coming up with a solution or preparing a piece of work uh, or they have a great idea and they've worked really hard, but they may not have entirely closed it out. So whilst I say to them, it's great that you've had a great takeoff, we've had a great flight, you, you've had a great um, time in the air, what they need to do is now land the plane because we need to keep working on something to finish it, close it out and get it done right um, because we can't be flying around in the air forever. We will run out of, um, oh, what do you run out of? Run out of fuel and it's a great metaphor, Nat. Um, and, and it's something that's a really great visual for people to think about, especially as many people aren't in the air right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really open to being challenged by my team. I'm very comfortable and very accepting of the fact that I have a team um, of many different levels that know a lot more than I do. They often have technical specialisms that I don't have. And so I have to rely on them. They, they need to feel comfortable to come and speak to me and disagree with me or challenge me and tell me that there's a different outcome or a different approach that will get us to, to a better place. And I need to be very comfortable with allowing that and creating a safe space for people to do that. And I feel like you, you definitely end up with a better result if you allow for that. So if I just repeat back what I've heard here, um, some really setting the expectations early on, being very clear, regardless of what's needed, what type of uh, work that it is, whether it is a report or a project or um, setting goals, you really set those expectations up and communicate them very clearly early on and then empower your team, then hand it over to your team in a very non-hierarchical way, no micromanaging, just giving them the power to, to, um, to deliver on those re results as well as being open to challenging you if necessary and collaborating yeah. openly with them. I think in relation to collaboration as well, I've, I, I do tell the team openly that if they've followed a structured process and if they've collaborated, um, we are often dealing with fast-paced decisions that need to be often made in environments where you don't have all the information. But if they've gone mm -hmm. through, if they've collaborated, they've gone through a structured process and they've really thought about it, even if we don't get the decision always entirely right, they know that I will back them and I'll support them. They won't, I won't blame them um, because we're not always going to get it 100% right in the environment that we're operating in. Yeah, it's something that comes up a lot in uh, in the in the coaching that I do, Nat, the piece around the fast-paced nature of the world of work that we're in and the, the balance, if you like, in terms of continuing to make choices and to make decisions while at the same time um, knowing that it, you can pivot as necessary. So make a choice, make a decision. If it turns out to, that you need to readjust, that you can do that. Yeah, I like to say you can't. You can't turn a car if it's standing still. And unfortunately, in, in, in the environment that we operate in, you need to make decisions to continue to move forward. And so therefore, you need to make those decisions with a sound basis. 
but my team know that I will support them if they've gone through that process. So there is a lot of trust between myself amongst the team and between myself and the team, which I think is is key to maintaining accountability and balancing it with the psychological safety. Yeah, absolutely. And what I'm hearing in that, Nat, is the way that you're building that trust is by having very open conversation, by being very clear in terms of your expectations. And, and it sounds like you're almost giving, whether you're doing it openly and consciously or not, but there's a real framework in the way that you operate in in terms of being in terms of giving them the expectations and then empowering them to make the decisions and allowing for that open flow of conversation as you do that. And I also do give a lot of feedback. So real-time feedback I think is really important. Um, also making sure you give the team credit when they've done something really well. But if we haven't done something and it hasn't gone quite to plan, that we understand what that is and and provide the feedback so that we can learn from that the next time and and continuously improve. Um, so yeah, real time constructive feedback I think is is really important for the team at home. My partner tells me to not give so much constructive feedback. So you need to <laughs> you need to make sure you turn it off at the right time. Yeah, can you just um, elaborate a little there for us? So in terms of giving constructive feedback in real time, what can you give us an example? What does that look like? Uh, it can happen probably when we're doing quarterly reporting. So we have to focus on aggregating and synthesising a whole lot of information and providing insights, not just information. And so I really push the team to to provide the insight and say, don't just tell me the number, tell me why that's the number and what we're going to do about that number. Uh, so what what I do is I actually, I won't rewrite the report for somebody if I've got a comment. I'll put a comment in the report or I'll speak to them so that they actually understand what we're trying to achieve with this section of the report and therefore they'll learn from it by, by rewriting it. Um, and obviously when we pull all the reporting together, I will consolidate sort of feedback on how the process has gone and how different sections of it have gone so that next time we can take those learnings into, into the next quarterly reporting process. And I have seen a significant shift in the level and quality of our reporting because of that continuous feedback given to people as they've been going through the process. I don't save it up for once a year when people have their performance mm. review. It's, it's just iterative and incremental and ongoing. Yeah, so what I hear there is a real focus on a learning team, which if you look at the research around psychological safety and high performance in teams, it's really about creating a learning team. So a team that is willing to continue to uh, to give the feedback in order to continue to learn and continue to grow and continue to make those iterative changes as needed. Yes, definitely. And I've heard some really good examples there and a good framework, if you like. I'm, I'm curious, you, you make it sound so simple now. In terms of, of challenges that you've faced as you've gone about doing that, is there anything you'd like to share there? If I go back to the point around feedback, feedback is giving and receiving feedback is challenging. And I had to work really hard on becoming much more comfortable with providing particular, it's always great to give positive feedback, it's very easy to give positive feedback, um, but I had to try really hard and work hard on giving constructive feedback in a positive way to ensure that people do take it on board and do learn from it. 
And again, as I said, it's real time iterative so that people are very aware of, of what you're relating the feedback to. And it means I'm holding people to account. The hard conversations are generally when you're holding people to account for their behaviours, not necessarily a work deliverable. And so focusing on constructive conversations around behaviours has been the most challenging part of, of providing feedback. Yeah, absolutely. What a what a great insight there. Um, because we do spend a lot of time talking about, it seems to be, uh, you know, I have a lot of conversations and hear a lot of feedback around giving and receiving of feedback, but it's such a good point there to kind of zone in on, on that it can be challenging to give feedback around behaviours specifically because ultimately they are, in my mind, what then goes on to create that, the sort of environment that we want to work in, that it's going to avoid toxic environments and really support teams to thrive. Is there anything in, that we can that you could touch on there in terms of how do you go about doing that? Because, you know, before I guess before you answer that question, the reason that it really resonates with me is that it is something that comes up a lot in the coaching that I do, whether it's a leader who is desperate for more feedback and knows that something is missing but isn't getting that feedback from the manager or whether it's the challenge of actually giving the feedback. It, as you say, around behaviours, that can be incredibly challenging. And so it'd be great to hear anything you have around what supports you to make that happen. The first thing that I've had to do is feel comfortable with feeling uncomfortable because yeah. you it's always going to be an uncomfortable conversation for you and the person. So I do try to put myself in their position and understand how this may be received. So you need to be really careful about when you're raising it and then also the way that you're raising it. Uh, I try to use really relevant recent examples, particularly if it's something where they're impacting other members of the team or their style might be impacting um, other teams in the business. Um, but, yeah, relevant recent examples, but packaging it in a way where they can actually talk about it themselves to maybe sometimes if you broach these things with people they're much more aware of things than you realize mm -hmm. um, once you start highlighting it to them so um, it's really clear about having a, a two-way feedback thing because there is often another side to a story as well so you have to be open to listening going into those conversations equally as going in with the information that you want to deliver what I'm hearing there is that it's really, again, about setting expectations. So simply by having the conversations about behaviour, in my mind, Nat, what you're doing is, is setting an expectation with that team member that how we operate and how we behave in this team is an important component of being a part of this team. So it's setting that expectation. As, you know, obviously the conversation around the particular behaviour is important, but even having the conversation sets a clear expectation. Yep, and I also have... a a bit of a rule as well that if people come to me about other people's behaviours and instances that that they have felt uncomfortable or haven't um, liked how a certain person has behaved, my rule is that we should communicate before we escalate. So I mm. won't come in over the top generally to have that conversation. I do ask the team member if they're comfortable having that challenging conversation and how can I support them to be comfortable in having that challenging conversation? Because if they're the one that experienced the feeling or the behaviour, it's a much better conversation to have that 
one-to-one than having me come in over the top and have it. Um, so, yeah, I really like to, as much as possible, have people communicate before they escalate. Anything else you want to share in terms of challenges that you're facing as you go about creating a high-performance standards as well as uh, cultivating a psychologically safe environment? Another challenge that you can often face into when you're balancing psychological safety and managing performance is in relation to if you're going through a period of sustained uncertainty or instability. And so that can make it make it really difficult if if you haven't got clear sight of exactly where and what the organization is going and what the strategic direction is, that can be challenging on um, managing the psychological safety and accountability of the team. What's really important during a period of sustained instability has been to maintain really clear and constant communication with the team and to remain as transparent as possible. And I've really worked hard on working with the team to focus on what they can control and not all of the other distractions that are going on around us. It's really important that we continue to deliver to the standards that we've always delivered. And so I get them to focus on what they can control. And what I say is that we can't always stop the storm, but what we can do is remain calm until the storm passes. What a great metaphor. So Nat, I'd love to hear from you in terms of uh, some top tips to for listeners to think about as they work to cultivate both accountability and psychological safety in their team. Do you have perhaps three top tips for us? Um, I will start with, I have mentioned this quite a few times as we've spoken, so at the risk of being repetitive, accountability for me requires you to give open, constructive and regular feedback. So I think that would be a key tip. Don't be afraid to call things out early and work with your team to continuously learn, but do it in a way where the team feels supported and safe and it can be really embraced. Additionally, I try to model when things don't go right and so I take accountability myself. I call out when I haven't quite got things right or I've made mistakes and I share my learnings And I do this at work and I also do it as much as I can at home so that not only my team but also my kids can see that if you make genuine mistakes, you can work to fix them and things will be okay. So modelling that, I think, is modelling your own accountability and and being okay that when things go wrong is, is also really important. Demonstrate to them that failure is a really great opportunity to learn. And lastly, I have heard it through a lot of the podcasts that you've done that I've listened to. It's about being curious. I am really genuinely curious. I probably should have been a a detective or something if I didn't (laughs) fall into financial services. I ask a lot of questions. I like understanding how things work. I like understanding the big picture. And so I would encourage everyone to stay curious challenge the status quo and don't be afraid to ask those difficult and challenging questions. 
Yeah, fantastic. And again, the theme for me that comes through this, um, everything you've shared with me is around learning and curiosity. So the first two tips you gave there were really about, the first one was about, in my mind, continuously learning. And the second one was about role modelling, um, the opportunity to learn through potential, you know, make, of making of mistakes and, and so on. And the last one, being curious. Uh, and uh, Curti Jacobs in, in the last series talked about asking questions and questioning answers. And I just thought, what a great little snapshot. And you're really kind of um, building on that. So, Nat, uh, hugely grateful to have you as part of the podcast. And thank you so much for giving us such valuable insights and wisdom. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. You've just been listening to the second series of Psychological Safety in Teams podcast with me, your host, Sheila Worry. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please do go over to my website, eiexecutive.com.au, and there you will find the episodes from both series one and two. Thanks for listening. I wish you all the best.